in the end? What is going to happen in the end? And the Bible tells us so. Uh, we, we have, we're not just making this up. We're going to just pull it straight from the Word of God. But th this is the first part of a three-part series. And then we'll have two more parts. Today we're going to be specifically looking at... Um, the fact that life as we know it, for every one of us, is eventually going to end. Um, and it may be, for us, depending on when this happens, that we, um, that we don't die. Maybe for some of us that Jesus comes back before we die. And so that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about uh, this morning. But so far, the statistic is that 10 out of 10 people die. Um, that's, that's pretty, I, I found that statistic somewhere. It was a pretty reliable source. But, but about 10 out of 10 people die. And so the reality is, for all of us at some point, life as we know it is going to end. And, um, and every one of us probably in this room has had to deal with, with death, at least at some point in our lives personally. Um, it's not an easy thing for us to deal with, and, and uh, it's, it's, that's because it's not natural or normal. Death is the result of, of the curse of sin entering into the world. This wasn't part of the original design. But because of sin, because our parents, Adam and Eve, sinned and rebelled against God, a curse came upon all of creation. And a big part of that curse is um, death. And so the result of sin is death. And that's why we have a struggle dealing with it. It's because it isn't normal. It isn't natural. And that's why we, we oftentimes try and uh, hide the fact that we're getting closer to it. Right? We, we, um, we try and... You know, get in shape or dye our hair or put creams on our face or whatever people do. Uh, we try and maybe pretend it's not getting closer. But uh, the reality is we're all headed that way unless Jesus comes back. Um, the, the Bible says that God created us, that we are designed. We didn't just happen. Um, space matter did not evolve into living organism that evolved into a fish that evolved into... I mean, the Bible says that we actually were designed by a very intelligent designer, that we are made up of both body and spirit, very tightly uh, woven together, and that death is the separation, the ripping apart of those two um, parts of body and spirit. And the body goes into the grave and the spirit into um, everlasting life somewhere. And the judgment. We're going to talk about the judgment next week. Um, we're going to get into, there's, different, there's a different judgment for those who are disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, than for those who do not follow him. We're not going to get into that this morning. Um... The, the fact is, I don't know if, if, if there's any um, anybody in here who's studied Bible prophecy, but it's, it's said that about 20% of the whole Bible is prophetic. That 
it somehow relates to prophecy. In other words, foretells some future event. And um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but there were tons of prophecies that were fulfilled when Jesus came. Tons in the, in the Old Testament. Um, let me just fly through a couple of these. I'm not going to read the actual verses, so if you want to look them up, you can write them down as I, as I just reference them. But for example, Isaiah 11.1, 1, Jeremiah and Jeremiah 23.5 prophesy that the Messiah would be a descendant of King David. And then in Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, it tells us that Jesus was descended from King David. Micah 5.2 tells us that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And Matthew 2.1 says, in fact, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Isaiah 7.14 tells us that the Messiah would be born of a virgin mother. Luke 1, 26-35 tells us that Jesus was born of a virgin. Psalm 22.16 said that the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. And this is written 800 years before the practice of crucifixion. It says in John 20, 25-27 that... There were, in fact, nails used to hold Jesus on the cross. He has scars, his hands and his feet. Psalm 34, 20 tells us that none of the Messiah's bones will be broken. And um, another prophecy in Zechariah, or I'm sorry, yeah, that none of the Messiah's bones will be broken. And John 19, 32 through 36 says that Jesus' bones were not broken, even though the thieves on either side of Jesus that were crucified on both sides, their legs were broken. To ensure their death. Psalm 41 9 said the Messiah would be betrayed by a trusted friend, and a prophecy in Zechariah 11 12 said it would be for 30 pieces of silver. Matthew 26 14 through 15 tell us that Judas did betray Jesus, his friend, and it was for 30 pieces of silver. In fact, there are at least 29 prophecies that were fulfilled just within the last 24 hours leading up to Jesus' death. So I say all that to say the Bible predicts things very accurately, perfectly accurately. And here's the thing. There are five times as many prophecies telling us about Jesus' second coming. Five times as many as there were telling us about His first coming. Five times. And so that's exciting to me. It gives me a real confidence. Jesus is coming back. And, um, and we can be certain of that. And we can even know a good bit about how he's coming back. You know, there's tons of theories out there as to how this world's going to end. Some people think a solar flare is going to burn us up or a giant meteor shower or a comet or we're going to collide with another some body in space and destroy the earth. Some people think that we're going to be invaded by aliens. You know, some people think a zombie apocalypse. I think those are all pretty, pretty good options, except that the Bible tells us how it's all going to go down, and, uh, and, and I happen to believe that the Bible's accurate and true. The Bible tells us that when Jesus comes back, He's not coming back as a humble carpenter's son, but that He's coming back as a warrior King. That's how he's coming back. And so we're going to look at that just a little bit this morning. Um, 
first point this morning, and I have three simple points, is that there will be a return. Jesus is coming back. If you um, have your Bible, if not, I'm, I'm going to put this verse on the screen. But John 14, 3. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he tells them, when everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. He's coming back. I will come and get you when everything is ready. He's coming back. We can be certain of it. First Thessalonians 4, verse 14 says, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. He's coming back. He's coming back victorious. He's coming back with a shout. He's coming back... Uh, it's going to be quite a scene. You know, when he came to earth the first time, he came with, with very little uh, notoriety. He, he wasn't even known, really, for the first 30 years of his life. But when he comes back, the earth, all the world will know. All of the world will know. There's um, one of my favorite passages in the book of Revelation. It's um, chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, verse, starting in verse 11. Just listen to this, and I want you to just imagine this. This is actually going to happen. I love this imagery, this, this picture of Jesus. This is who Jesus is. Uh, I, I, it bothers me that, that we think of Jesus as the um, paintings often portray him. You know, we, we still maybe picture him hanging there on the cross, or we still maybe picture him like holding a lamb with the wind blowing his hair. But Jesus, he's in a resurrected body. We see it on a throne. He is not the same Jesus of the paintings. Listen, listen to this. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it, this is Jesus, is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. I think it's his blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven 
arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on a white on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's Jesus. That is what it's going to be like when he comes back. That is Jesus. He is not the humble carpenter's son anymore. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. When he comes back, you're going to want to be on his team. Just say, you are going to want to be on his team. Uh, so, he is coming back. There will be a return. My second point is that there will be a rapture. Christians are going to be taken away. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, Then together with them, we who are still alive, people who are still alive on earth, and remain on the earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And that word caught up, that's, that's what rapture means. Caught up. We're going to be raptured. Caught up to meet Him in the air. It's pretty cool. Uh, I, I think, I, have, you, have you ever seen Saving Private Ryan? Long, I mean, old movie. Maybe you don't remember the end part. Uh, Tom Hanks, he's sitting there and he's like about to die and he's shooting his pistols, all he's got left, at this tank that's coming at him. And he's just shooting. He's like, if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging. And just before the tank gets to him, <coughs> This airstrike comes in, blows up the tank, and then more airplanes come in, and it's, it's over. They're saved. And I, I think about that. That's, that's kind of what it's going to be like, I think, for us, for believers. We're, we're going to hopefully be at work, at work when he returns. Not sitting idle. And when he returns, even if we're swinging with our last ounce of energy, he's going to come back. The only difference is it'd be like if Tom Hanks, when the airplane went by, if he was like, and got sucked up into the airplane. Then he was like, yeah! You know. That's, anyway. But, that's how I think about this when it comes down to it. If you are a follower of Jesus, it is going to be a time to celebrate. It is going to be a time of triumph. Like, yes, we made it. Our king did come back like he said he would. And he came back victorious. It says in the Matthew 24, verses 39 through 44. This is Jesus talking. And the context here, he's talking about 
in the time of the flood, in, in the days of Noah, when the earth was flooded. It says people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. For all of you women who grind flour. <laughs> One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. He says, understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. We don't know when he's coming back. So anybody who sets a date, I mean, the minds were wrong. You know, it was real safe for them to predict that, though, because they knew they weren't going to be around, right? I mean... I, at least, at least some of these guys have some guts, and they predict, they predicted the end of the world to be like, you know, when they're still going to be here. They're wrong, but then they got to face the music because it's kind of embarrassing when it doesn't happen. But we don't know when it's going to happen. If somebody tells you it's going to happen on this date, then you can be pretty certain it's not going to happen on that date because uh, because you said nobody knows, nobody knows. The day, the hour. So, he's saying, look, keep alert. Be ready for this. This is happening. Don't, don't sit around. And it, he's, he's saying, don't be caught off guard. You will be upset. You'll be upset if you're caught off guard. If you're just sitting around and not taking the things of the kingdom of God seriously, if you're not taking Jesus seriously, you're going to be really, really disappointed when Jesus comes back. There's several different views on the rapture as far as exactly when it's going to take place. Um, I'll tell you my personal view, but, um, but there's a lot of really great, sincere Christians who believe all these different views. But there's one opinion that Jesus is going to come back before what the Bible calls the tribulation. And um, that there's going to be this great tribulation, this really tough, tough time on the earth in, at the end. Um, and because of prophecy in, in the book of Daniel, they think it's, it's probably going to be seven years. And so a lot of people think that Christians are going to be raptured, caught up, taken away off the earth before the tribulation begins. Um, some believe in a rapture that's going to take place right in the middle of it all. Um, about three and a half years into this tribulation. And that then the world will just really, you know, it's going to get really, really bad for the last three and a half years. I personally think that it's going to happen after the tribulation. That's my personal view. Um, 
Don't, don't be mad at me if that's not your personal view. But I'll explain why that's my, my personal um, opinion. I think that because of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, when his disciples are asking him about what's it going to be like in the end? How are we going to know um, that the end is here? And among other things, he tells them that the earth will seem to be in labor. He says there's going to be earthquakes, famines, increasing in different places in the world. And I don't know about you guys, but there seems to be an increase in some weird um, natural disasters taking place. Earthquakes, like, like record-breaking. It seems like every day you turn on the news and you hear record-breaking tornadoes swept through this and record-breaking earthquakes over here. Record-break. It's like, what in the world? Why are we breaking all these records all of a sudden? It's weird. But he says it's going to be like labor pains. And the thing about labor is, you know, the, they start out, the, uh, the contractions start out like not as intense and spread apart. And then as the labor progresses, the contractions get more intense and closer together. Right? So that's what Jesus is saying, that the earth's going to seem to be in labor, labor pains. And I, I think that we're only going to see this increase if, the, if these, in fact, are the labor pains that Jesus is talking about, which I'm not saying I'm certain that they are. But if they are, I think that what we're going to see is an increase in them. They're going to get more intense and more frequent. Um, okay, so Jesus is telling them that it's going to be like labor pains and nations are going to be fighting against themselves and against each other. There's going to be wars and rumors of war. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 24, 9, then, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because... You are my followers. So I think what he's saying here is you're going to be around as this tribulation is happening. And it's going to get um, tough on you because you're my followers. Then he goes on in verses 10 through 28 to explain uh, more about what that time of tribulation will be like. And then in Matthew 24, 29 through 31, Jesus says this, quote, Immediately after the anguish of those days, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of the trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world. From the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. So that, in a nutshell, is why I think that the rapture is going to be after the tribulation. Um, there are more reasons. One of, one of those is that I, I, I think that God wants us to be here when things get really bad. Because we're his representatives. We are agents of the king. 
We represent Jesus. And so I believe that God wants us here uh, in those days. Here's, here's the really good news for us if that's the case, if we are going to have to be here. Uh, if we remain true to Jesus and stay faithful to Him, the reward is going to be incredibly great. When we see Him come back, the reward is going to be incredible. Alright, so my third point is this. There will be a reunion. Followers of Jesus will be with Him forever. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 and 18 says, Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Forever. So encourage each other with these words. Paul wrote this. He wanted us to encourage each other with these words. We're going to be with him forever. Forever. It's very tempting for us when we have so much going on around us to get wrapped up in this life. In this... There's, there's so many distractions. There's TV. I mean, we could just go to work and come home and turn on the TV. The average American watches 28 hours of TV a week. 28 hours. We can, we can get wrapped up in hobbies or, you know, the next, the next vacation or the next fun thing that we have planned. Or we can become obsessed with our work. We can be workaholics. We, we can be all about our friends and the enjoyment that we get from hanging out with them. It's easy for us to get wrapped up in this world. How much, how much money we make or how successful we are. What, what's our social status? But the fact of the matter is that this, this earth is passing away. This life is going to be over before we know it. The Bible says it's like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. We're going to blink and it's going to be over. And so, that's a big part of this encouragement here. We'll be with the Lord forever. Forever. So encourage one another with these words. Because this is temporary. It's so temporary. I'm convinced that if we could just get that. It would solve a lot of our issues as followers of Jesus. A ton of our issues just come from the fact that we forget that this life is temporary. And that we're going to be with Him forever after this. So, this is, this is our hope in this life. What does this all have to do with our daily life? What why does it matter that, that Jesus is returning? That He's going to take us with Him? That we're going to be with Him forever? Why does that matter? It matters because when we really believe that, we will stop wasting our lives on the things that just don't matter. 
And here, here's the other thing. This is something that I'm really passionate about. As followers of Jesus, we cannot pull up the drawbridge to our life and dig a moat around our life so that those people out there, you know, that those people, not like me, they can't, I don't want them getting all up in my business. I don't want them getting messing up my life. Guys, too many of us in the church have separated ourselves from the culture, the world around us, and said, I don't want, I don't want to be tainted. I don't want to get dirty. And I just, when I look at Jesus, I just see something completely different. I see Jesus just right in the middle. Right in the middle of it all. So much so that the really pompous, proud, self-righteous religious leaders said, look at you, hanging out with sinners. And they called him a drunk and a glutton because of the company he kept. Look, if I get called a drunk and a glutton because of who I'm hanging out with, I would consider that an honor. I would consider that an honor because that is what they said about Jesus. And it, it really infuriates me that Christians want to say, you know what, it's just me and Jesus. This is just a personal thing. It's just me and Jesus. And, you know, it, it's not just you and Jesus. It's not. If it was just you and Jesus and it didn't matter, then he might as well just, as soon as we get baptized, might as well just hold me under. Hold me under. Let me go on up. But he wants us here. He wants us here to represent him, to be ministers of reconciliation to the people around us who are hurting, who are desperately in need of a Savior. Don't separate yourself because you don't want to get dirty. Because you don't want their... Look, I'm not... If, if you struggle with alcoholism, I'm not telling you to go hang out in the bar. Be reasonable. I'm, I'm, be reasonable. I'm not telling you to go where you can't handle, but befriend those people. And if you can't handle it, go to the bar. The fact of the matter is, guys, if we aren't, if we aren't having any impact on the people in our lives, then what are we doing? Because this life is going to be over before we know it. It could happen today. He said we won't expect it. He said we won't expect it. Who knows? Maybe we're already ready. Maybe, it's, it, maybe he's going to show up today. If he does, will you, will you be ready? Will you be... Will you be working? You can still, you can still change today. You, you can, today, you can turn, repent, turn away from living a life of futility that doesn't make any difference. And you can today start living 
for your king who's coming back. He's coming back. You can start living for him today. I want that to be true for us as a church. I don't want us to be a church that pulls up the drawbridge and we just have our little thing in here and safe. That's not at all what I want. If that's all we do, I want to be done with this. As far as I'm concerned, this meeting on Sundays is just one piece, one little piece of what the church is. This isn't church. This isn't church. We are the church. And I believe in the end that what counts, the score that Jesus is keeping, is disciples. That was the commission he gave. Go make disciples. And so that doesn't mean go gather disciples. Go get as many disciples to come and hang out on Sundays as possible. It means go make new ones. And we can't do that on Sunday. I mean, some people will come. Praise God. Some have become disciples of Jesus here on Sundays. But the majority of this will happen in the context of everyday life. As we go and we represent Jesus well. To our friends, to our co-workers, to our family members. If you're hearing this for the first time this morning, you're realizing, you know, yeah, I haven't been working for Jesus because I really don't think I know Him. I really don't think that I've ever really known Him. I don't think I've ever had a real relationship with Him. I've never given my life to Him. I've never repented, turned from life my way, and put my whole trust, my faith in Jesus. You can today. You can. This is a free gift offered to us by God. Because of what Jesus did. Because Jesus came, He paid the ultimate sacrifice. He took the death that we deserve, the wrath that we deserve for our sins, on Himself, on the cross. He died, took it to the grave. He said, it's finished. And then he rose three days later, proving that he had forever conquered our enemy Satan and sin and death. And as a result of what he did, we can freely receive the gift of forgiveness. God can completely wipe our slate clean. We can be forgiven. We can have a relationship with Jesus forever. We can be with him. Starting now. And so that's offered to every one of you, every one of us in this room. That offer is for you. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to receive that free gift. Don't let distractions stop you from thinking through this, from dealing with the Lord. Don't, don't let pride stop you. What is pride anyway? Don't let pride stop you. This is too important. If you really don't know Jesus, 
you can know Him today. So I'm just going to pause and I'm going to give you an opportunity to deal with the Lord. And then I'm going to pray. And after we sing a couple worship songs, we're going we're to have uh, Zach and I, we're going to be in the back at that connect table because we're going to do baptism sign-ups. I'm not saying that you need to come and sign up to be baptized right now if you don't even understand that, but come talk to us. If you want to put your trust in Jesus today, come talk to us, please. It's very important. This isn't an individual thing. Like I said, this is a family thing. You need a church family to come alongside you and walk this out with you. Don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. I was talking to a man this morning who said, you know, there's time when I tried, I tried to go it alone. It didn't work out. It doesn't work that way. You need others around you, strengthening you, supporting you. Don't go it alone. If you, if this morning you do business with God and you receive forgiveness freely through Jesus, then come talk to us, please. It's very important. All right? Let's pray, everybody, right now. You just tell God whatever's on your heart. There's no magic words. There's no magic prayer. You tell God what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and tell Him that you want to give in your life. beating fast, you know God's putting His finger on you because He loves you. If you feel uncomfortable right now, that's there's no reason you should feel uncomfortable except that God is wanting to speak to you. No one knows what's in your head but you and God. If your heart's beating fast and you feel uncomfortable right now, it's because God wants to deal with you. Be honest with Him. God, thank you so much that we can call you Daddy. We can call you Father. Thank you that you made a way for us to know you and to be right with you, to be righteous in your sight because of what Jesus did. Thank you. Lord, I pray this morning that whoever is here, and you know who they are, that you are putting your finger on them. Lord, I ask that, I ask that they wouldn't shrug you off. Today is the day of salvation, your word says, today. I pray that you continue to change hearts and lives as you have been doing over the last few months. God, I ask that um, you would help us as a church, as a family, to come alongside those people that, that you have rescued. Help us to support them and 
teach them and disciple, make mature disciples of Jesus. I thank you for what you're doing. We worship you, Lord. We ask you to keep doing the work that you have started. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 